0: Welcome to Le Arte del the Bolognese podcast, where we discuss the intricacies of the Bolognese tradition with the practitioners, translators, authors, and teachers working to bring the art back to life. Today's guest is the man with the mythical gloves and the legendary vision, Mr. Dario Alberto Magnani. Perfect. <laughs> All right. Yeah, welcome, man. What time is it right now <laughs> over right. at... Uh,
1: um it's 1 uh, 1 a.m 20 1 a.m
0: <laughs> and whereabouts are you in italy
1: yeah yeah i'm in ravenna in northern italy
0: ah very nice very nice that's where they found the uh the far from
1: Bologna, actually it's 40 minutes yeah. from here
0: yeah that's where they discovered the uh the anonymous.
1: yeah we have it in a bit here in ravenna actually we had it there um it's five minutes from my house, more or less,
0: maybe oh, that's seven. That's fantastic. So <laughs> yeah. one of the things, I was I was actually talking to uh, Michael Chettister, um last week. And one of the things that he was saying is we need to get scans of the anonymous Bolognese. Um, maybe, uh, maybe you can take a trip over to the library when you're yeah, not.
1: That, that's, <laughs> that's actually a possibility. And it's something we are actually um, thinking about and working on with another friend from Ravenna. Uh, we want to set up something to make good scans, especially talking about Michael Childester. I mean, he, he makes awesome scans for, <laughs> for stuff. And so we don't want to be worse than him in that. And uh, especially talking about Michael, I want to thank him for the uh, Fiore um, facsimile. Do you see yes. it in English? Yep, that's great. It, right. It's beautiful. And anyone that has. That knows anyone who has one, go checking it because it's a beautiful thing. And I know he's making also tall offers and other stuff. If he ends up making the manual you study off, buy one copy. My recommendation.
0: Oh yeah. I <laughs> you know, I, I got a copy of Fiore. I actually just got my copy a couple of weeks ago, and it is it's already one of my prized possessions. I love it. It's it's beautiful.
1: Yeah, it's definitely well done.
0: It is. All right. So, um, just to, as a brief introduction, um, let's go ahead and, and just kind of jump straight in and start talking about the Weapon Master a little bit. Um, so, what inspired you to develop the Thok Weapon Master Gauntlets?
1: So, the answer may be obvious, but there weren't gloves that was happy with in the market. So as obvious as this may be, uh, basically, the lack of options um, that I liked, mostly because I don't like uh, Mitten's gloves either for Longsword. Obviously, it's impossible to use them with single-handed swords and swords with complex guards and everything. But I don't even like Mitten's for Longsword. So uh, I ended up into the Hima scene relatively late compared to the beginning of my career in uh, historical fencing, since we in Italy had a head start in studying, but then joined the world movement quite late. And so I impacted into IMA in 2014 when I was already uh, teaching. So I never had a contact with the wider community outside of Italy before. And we already had a few tournaments here in Italy. We already had hosted a few even, but we never had had uh, uh, a bigger uh, approach to the wider world community. We weren't aware, even aware, yeah, in Italy, we weren't aware of how big the movement was growing in the rest of the world. And when I actually realized that, I started trying stuff from, other businesses and other makers, and started joining events and stuff like that. And for the kind of community it was growing into, for the kind of bigger thing it was growing into, I felt that it wasn't acceptable to either risk breaking your fingers in every event and every hard sparring and every heavier session you were doing or using basically bucklers on your hands. Yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, I ended up deciding that there, to me at least, it was necessary to have a different option also, mostly for a Sidesword at the beginning, because it was impossible to fence Sidesword safely and comfortably. Uh, And then, since I am mainly a longsword person, that has to be said. I am mainly an early longsword person also for longsword. And so I ended up saying, why not something that works for both, uh, some kind of master of all weapons. And that's yeah. how the, the the game with the weapon master and master of weapons came out. And everyone probably knows that I first tried with a three-finger design with another company. Yep. And yeah. then the other company exploded. And <laughs> so... <laughs> yeah, that's putting it nicely. <laughs> less, uh, yep. It didn't actually explode, but yeah. We, we all get it. Uh, for how good people they are because uh, I honestly think they are great people. Maybe they exaggerated a little bit on volumes compared to ability to make it. and So yeah, they exploded. And in the meantime, I moved on and started doing something different and following my own uh, design inspiration and ideas. And so I started thinking of a fully five-fingered glove And specifically of a glove, not a gauntlet. Mm -hmm. And I looked around and said, yeah, okay. there's SCA stuff. There's uh, steel gauntlets. There's plastic stuff coming out, because we already knew the plastic stuff was coming. And well, why not try something that works like a glove? And so I started that, and so it was possible. And tried to run for something that could be a start. So in my in my head, stupid me, it was like I make a small crowdfunding, we start making a few pairs and see if people like it. And we basically broke it. And so <laughs> I said, no, stop, stop everything. Uh this needs to be scaled differently, absorbed differently. And so I I don't know if you were following that at the beginning, but I had to stop the crowdfunding at at a certain point and decide whether to go on or to refund the money and redo everything later on. I decided to keep it on and upscale everything on the run. And we all know it took time. Uh, (laughs) Everyone listening to this knows (laughs) it took time. Uh, Sorry about that. But still, basically, here we are. So it did work in the end.
0: Yeah. So, uh, what about what is it that about the weapon master that separates it from other five finger gloves that are going to be on the market?
1: Well, uh, the- as, yeah. it was, as I was, as it was introducing it first, it's the approach, in my opinion. I mean, this is a-, a glove in in everything, in every way it's made. It's not a gauntlet. It's not an exoskeleton. To be worn over something that you put on your hand. It's fundamentally something that you put on your hand, full stop. So it's a a glove. I know you're just, you're only recording audio, right? Mm -hmm. So I I can show this, but it's a glove. Okay. It's not a, a gauntlet. And this also translates to the way it works in terms of protection because it's mostly soft stuff. Hmm. So instead of focusing on uh, making rigid parts and articulated rigid parts and plates and joints and attachments and stuff, I focused on developing materials that could withstand the kinds of impacts we, we have in Hima. What being soft, so remain, remaining flexible and movable, And that's the biggest, in my opinion, the biggest difference between this and any other, I think, five-fingered product. This has no joints. It's literally single plates flexing with your hands like a a soft padding Yeah. (laughs) designed to withstand higher forces.
0: So, one of my biggest frustrations with heavier protection on five finger gloves tends to be the bulk between the index finger and uh, the thumb uh, coming into contact with my cross guard. Um, How does the Weapon Master compare to other five finger gloves like Red Dragon or Coning or Pro Gauntlet or even the like Specs five fingers? How does it compare in that regard?
1: So, you mean basically the area between the thumb and the index, correct? Yep. So, the biggest problem in that area is protecting the side of, of the fingers. Uh, so, without exposing them, but at the same time, you know, making it still capable of closing your hand. The main solution we found with Weapon Master Gantlets was that. Mm, a thinner protection is on the side of the finger instead. uh, No, sorry. This is wrong in English, probably. Uh, The protection on the side of the index finger is thinner than that on the back of it. And the way the thumb is made uh, basically forms a a Mm V-shape between the thumb and the index so that when you close your fingers one to the other, you have the full range of motion to fully close the hand and when you open it, you don't uh, get any bone and, and any bony area exposed because the two plates slide, the slide one next to the other. Uh, yeah, I'm Italian. I, I'm gesticulating. Yeah, I know you but, okay. yeah. anyway. <laughs> uh, but yeah So basically there's um, multiple layers of protection so you have the inner layer, which is in the lining of the glove, the outer layer, which is on the outer sleeve of the glove, and between the two inner layers and the two outer layers, there's a sliding game that allows the the maximum possible uh, protection in every position while having them slide one on over and next to the other to to be able to move, it's not as complicated as it sounds. Uh, I swear, <laughs> it's just very difficult to explain. Yeah, <laughs> but it's like Adi says if I could show you this, it would be easier. I have to tell you.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, we are recording video. Maybe I can post it on YouTube. But I think, you know, one of the beautiful things is that sometimes the simplest designs that are most practical and solve an easy problem like this problem that we see with a lot of gloves are the best solutions right like i mean that that area has it's it's always been for most side sword users, which, you know, the most of the people who are going to be listening to this podcast are going to be using single-handed swords in some way. And that's always been our biggest frustration, right? Like I, I have had a few pairs of, of red dragons and every time that I use them, I always cut out that section, <laughs> that 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 little bit of protection right there. And I just take the risk because um, otherwise I, I lose my ability to sort of actually get the, the sword into my hand in a way that's that's reasonable. Yeah.
1: Maybe I have found a a decent way to explain it. Uh, If you think about those that are called wispy gauntlets, wispy gauntlets, so those articulated ones, you know, they have uh, a plate outside the finger on the knuckle and a plate inside the finger under a a piece of litter so that Mm -hmm. the two plates are not in the same level so they can slide one. Right, so they overlap. yeah, that's that the sense. basic concept of, of most of the articulation areas of the globe. So oh, an yeah. outer layer and two inner layers, which do not conflict one with the other, nice. by being on different levels.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Um, how much does the globe weigh?
1: So they are um, they are composed by parts. You know, So if you go by the heaviest setup, mm-hmm. it's so, something more than 300 grams per globe.
0: Oh, that's really it good. Go with
1: the heaviest setup on, on the lightest one, it's around 250.
0: Wow, yeah, that's well, I mean, that and that's significant too, because, um, I mean, I think the production models that are coming out right now with the pro gauntlets are 500 grams. I know that the Conan gloves that I have, this I've got a first generation pair and a second generation pair, they are, um. Yeah, uh, uh, upwards yeah. of 600 A
1: pair of these ones weights uh, as much as a coin. Wow. In the heaviest setup.
0: Yeah, that's fantastic. Because that's the other problem, actually, too.
1: Actually, less than uh, version one coin.
0: Yeah, okay. Because
1: version two were like 50 grams lighter. And yeah. two of these weight like one of their version two, more or less.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that's that's always kind of been an issue, too. Because when you're fighting with... a you're already fighting with a two pound sword and you add uh, 500 grams to that and you're talking about almost a quarter of the weight going into just your glove Uh, anytime you talk about like 500 grams it's it's getting on the it's bordering on too much right so if you go if you can have that i mean that's already a substantial um, addition to any sort of setup when you're talking about fighting and sparring full speed, because oh, um, I think that's that's definitely. I'm sorry. It's
1: definitely a dog. <laughs> yeah, that
0: is definitely a dog. Yeah, yep. Um. So what I was going to say is uh, that's definitely a concern um, that I've seen with a lot of other five finger variants is that you know sometimes to incorporate protection they add weight and so like you end up with these massive gloves you know a lot of people um sort of poke fun at them and call them like hulk gloves um and you know it is it's it's a pain it's it's definitely a challenge so and and that's exciting it's exciting that the weapon master might solve that and and give us an option where you know we can reduce that weight reduce the size and you know have that that mobility
1: also one thing to consider is that um, this is another pro, in my opinion. Uh, the glove itself would have weighted 250, maybe 240 on, uh, on the heavy setup, theoretically. It ended up weighting a bit more because I had to make the cuffs slightly bigger, somewhat bigger, to, to follow some regulations since we are uh, certifying the gloves for mm, regulations for fencing and this unfortunately meant that there's a bit more weight because we had to make the cuffs bigger, but still that weight is on the cuff. So you don't have the weight on the extremity of, of the arm, but it's sort of around your wrist and behind your wrist. So it doesn't feel like 300 in my opinion. I mean, it feels like it's a bit less in any case.
0: Nice. Not yeah. like
1: it were, Not like it was 250, but still better than 300.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, any sort of weight dispersion too helps out a lot. I mean, you know, your forearms, if you, if you start getting into stronger muscle groups, the problem is is when most of the weight ends up being on like the end of your hand and it's, you know, all in your fingers and on the top of your hand, and then it just, it slows your wrist down, which, you know, so much of the Bolognese system in particular is a lot of wrist movements, a lot of tight very articulated uh, movements that need to be uh, quite quick and dexterous. So yeah, that's that's awesome. So um, with other five-finger gloves, there's been a so, sort of a substantial break-in period. Um, can we expect something similar with the Weapon Masters?
1: So Weapon Masters obviously have a break-in period like any kind of clothing of any type. But no, their break-in period isn't substantial Uh, To my experience, within minutes, you get to 90, 95% of of the final breaking in. Within a few days of use, they are completely broken in. How durable do you? They don't have uh, hard parts or um, things that need to give in. They're just slightly stiff, but it's mostly the fabric because it's new and just sewn and uh, ironed. Uh, how do you say that? Yeah, iron when you mm-hmm. make it plain flat. Yeah. So it's so we... a bit stiff, but it's not if they don't feel stiff, but they are a bit stiffer than when fully broken in, but that's just the fabric.
0: Gotcha. So because they are fabric, um, how durable can we expect the gloves to be?
1: So considering that's uh, fabric for fencing, so that's uh, either full polyester or polyester and dynema, it's rather durable. Any part that is exposed to blows and it's not uh, fencing fabric is either aromatic fabrics or um, abrasion-resistant synthetic suit. So they are rather durable, and especially the areas that um, that have rigid parts or semi-rigid parts behind them, like the rigid knuckle protector, it's covered in high-quality aromatic fibers so that it doesn't Uh, get eaten by by swords, I I think they're going to be pretty durable.
0: Nice. Um, The
1: the only thing that gets um, eaten a bit faster than the rest is probably the silicone pattern on, on the palm. But that's kind of intended because it gets eaten the most in the areas you slide the most so that over time the glove is going to become ever and ever more uh, comfortable for you to slide through grips. Gotcha. So that's the, the real breaking in period of the globe, probably getting rid of the silicone pattern where you need to slide.
0: <laughs> so it'll be too grippy at first and then gradually it will become yeah. a little bit more. That, that,
1: that's, that's quite intentional because it has to remain grippy and sticky yeah. in the area where you want it to be and where you usually slide it gets eaten up. So you only remain with the fabric and there you can slide.
0: Nice. Yeah, because that was one of the other things um, you know, with with some gloves that I know people have had frustration with is that you've kind of sacrificed your tactile feedback um in your fingertips and stuff like that. So how well can you feel the sword through the weapon masters?
1: I can click on my phone. Okay. I mean, there's a video <laughs> on YouTube of me unlocking yeah. my phone with that. So no, the, I think the tactility is as good as you can have through a glove because between your fingertip and the sword, there's um, a layer of one millimeter, no, actually 0.9 millimeters of synthetic sued, which is the same we use on the back. It's the black one on the palm. And behind that, there's just a layer of uh, thin moisture-wicking fabric, which is the lining. So between you and the sword, there's just less than one millimeter of synthetic leather and the uh, most wicking fabric that's lining, nothing else.
0: Yeah. Nice. So when you're, let's talk a little bit about the dexterity. Um, when you've gone through and you've done any sort of um, like training with a side sword, um, you know, are there any bolognese guards or actions where you feel like you're fighting the glove when using a side sword? Do you feel any resistance?
1: So probably uh, the only point of, um, there's two points of resistance when fencing bolognese, but that only happens with the heavy lining in. So when they are in heavy setup, you are probably going to struggle a bit with um, beca posa, mm-hmm. because the position of the thumb being um, that obviously also depends on how you interpret it, but a majority of people have it with a thumb out. And that means you are basically holding the sword with just fingers and the thumb. And yeah, so in that position, the thumb joint is going to uh, slightly obstruct you compared to having nothing on. Gotcha. And the other thing is... Um, in when you do any kind of guard that is shortened. So um, whenever you're doing uh, any higher guard or any guard with your wrist out. Okay, so when you're keeping your wrist out in any way, mm, if you have the heavy lining on, there's a back plate here, a back plate on the back of the hand that tends to slightly conflict with the cuff. So it doesn't block your movement, but you'll hear something like you have something like a click mm-hmm. at a certain point, because you're not expected to go all out with your wrist when using long swords. And so with the heavy, heavy lining on, that one, for some people at least, those with shorter um, shorter hand or the fingers nearer to the wrist than most people, they are going to to feel a click there or something.
0: Gotcha. So like almost like Gordy de Testa, I imagine would probably be one where you'd end yeah, up. fighting. Yeah. You're gonna kind of get your yeah. hand across. You can have that. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, <laughs> comparing it to everything else, you know,
1: street, uh, and those kinds of guards where you have the the gas opened. Okay. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, that sounds. I mean, so far, I mean, it sounds amazing. I mean. Um, I know it's, I don't need to hype it enough and I feel like you're answering all of my questions and giving me even more momentum feeling forward that I'm just like getting even more excited about it. Um,
1: <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs>
0: no, no, it's okay. It's okay. I mean, obviously, you know, COVID put the world on hold um, and it, it it seems like production, but it does seem like uh, production and distribution are starting to ramp back up again. Um, When can we expect to start seeing Weapon Masters show up in schools across the globe?
1: So um, they are on the shipping right now. And they are doubling in production volumes every month, more or less, because we are on the very first rollout. So we had to start off from a size and color. We started with M reds. uh, And then we started introducing other sizes and other colors on parallel production lines, basically. So we are going to go up to 200 or maybe 300 pieces uh, a month. Wow. And the current objective is to open the shop in August. Mm -hmm. So by August, all of the pre-ordered ones should already be out. And actually, the first pairs should should be seen around events mm, in the middle of next month, because in Italy, there's already going to be a few pairs around, and at least one pair is going to be at an event. Nice. Uh, so they're going to be out rather soon and out in the wild.
0: Yeah, that's that's great. So obviously, you're going to sort of ship to your Indiegogo um, backers first. Yeah, um, yeah, the we who, yeah, the people who did order when the queue was opened. Um, I think back in, was it August that you opened up the the queue for ordering gloves um, for non-backers? It was
1: August last year, yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, About what time do you think it'll be before people who ordered in that queue can start to expect their gloves?
1: Before August this year. Since August this year, we are going to open the shop. So by then, we are going to be finished with all pre-orders, not just Indiegogo backers. If we aren't, for any kind of reason, I'm not opening the shop to new orders. Obviously, I need yeah. to make make this clear. Uh, <laughs> we are not opening new orders until I'm done sh- shipping out stuff for everyone that has already ordered that. Uh, that of last August was an unfortunate sh- circumstance because gloves should have been available in a couple months, and then second COVID wave and third COVID wave came. Yeah. And. <laughs> Yeah honestly uh, didn't expect it to be that bad on second and third wave, given how the first one had gone. Uh so yeah, I was already late and that was a further delay. Uh yeah. Yeah. It was messy.
0: It well, yeah. I mean, I don't think anybody's gonna fault you for, for what, what ended up happening with the pandemic. No, I but mean...
1: I, I understand that probably I shouldn't have opened the the queue on last August, but yeah, I, I couldn't expect it to go this
0: way. Yeah. Oh it's not that big of a deal. I'm I'm just excited. I can't wait. I can't wait to get my hands in them and I can't wait to start fighting with them because you know I'm it's uh i I think I've tried everything, you know, and I've I've tried to DIY my own gloves and and just you know, every it's really hard to find a good solution. There's always there's always something, which I mean is is always gonna be the case, you know. I mean no glove is ever gonna be perfect, but um it's exciting that there's going to be a glove that we can hopefully rely upon, especially for the Bolognese community where, you know, we've we've kind of always been on the tail end of things, you know, <laughs> like yeah, there.
1: There's the need for protection, but you can't have as much protection, even as an arming sword, because they are as the guard. And yeah. yet some people fancy lighter gloves because there's the guard, then they get struck on the fingers and then they cry. So that depends <laughs> on on how things go it's it's a game of luck
0: yeah sometimes yeah it is it is yeah and we i mean that's kind of that's been that's what we've pretty much relied on in our in our school um you know we've we've tried a lot of different gloves and you know obviously we haven't had to worry about fighting in tournaments we've just been fighting in leather gloves and just you know re- really learning to protect our hands
1: <laughs> Yeah, yeah definitely. i still think that protecting your hands is the easiest way to reduce statistical risk but when yes. you get struck, you need gloves.
0: <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. Well, you know, I mean, one of the things, you know, going back to the Anonimo Bolognese, you know, it's when you start reading through the anonymous and you really start trying to work through those plays, one of the things that I, you know, he, he attacks the hands a lot. Um, and so it's, you, you need that attack to the hands in order to really kind of set up. Because that's that's what he uses to enter measure. It's usually some sort of an attack, either a beat to the blade or an attack to the hand to get them to move their guard. And that's how you're entering measure. And if you can't do that, then the rest of the play doesn't really matter or really make sense. Because you, you're you just yeah. walking into somebody fixed in guard.
1: But that's so. not just about entering measure. Because even when you're leading measure, just think of Mancholino. Yeah, for that, sure. But rising montante every time oh, it's yeah. going out, where does it aim in your opinion? I mean, that's yeah. the hand.
0: Go into the hand. Okay, so yeah.
1: if I swipe towards the top of my head with a montante on your fingers, and I end up on your pinky, you better have gloves.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, and and you know, I was just uh, I was just reading through and and kind of working through a lot of the plays um, from the Anonymous with his left versus right-handed plays. And that's how he finishes every play. You know, like a lot of different authors for different reasons will exit in certain ways. His exit for fighting a left-handed fencer with a single handed sword is to throw um that of uh, uh, essentially, yeah, like a, a rising falso that goes over your shoulder um into into soap And it's it's nasty, man. You can't do that with, that with somebody not wearing like a lot of hand protection. So
1: also um, the other guy he's is left-handed.
0: Yes. Yeah. Exactly.
1: So you're going to hit it him on the other side of the hand. Yeah. So that's going to hit something.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's no. Not
1: going to land on the pommel.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Exactly. Yep. So you know, I mean, hopefully, it, maybe it'll it'll have a a long-term impact of just kind of making our fencing better. You know, I I. Talking to some people who were early KDF practitioners when they were fighting in lacrosse gloves and before they really had good um, glove options, you know, even they talked about how they there were certain techniques that they wouldn't do because they didn't feel comfortable, they knew that they could really hurt somebody. Um, And now that we have better glove options that they can use, um, they talk about how. It, they feel like it's opened up a lot of the plays. It's it's made things make sense, and they they've seen better results from sparring and interpretation development because of it. And so maybe you're going to have this this profound <laughs> unforeseen impact so. on on the sidesword community, where we're just going to see this explosion of great techniques and great fencing.
1: I hope so. In all honesty, I I think that yeah, that's that's possibly going to have a, a solid impact on on one-handed swords in general, on one-handed sword practice in general, but I my biggest hope at least, even though this is going to be unpopular probably, uh, my biggest hope is for um, long sword practitioners uh, since if they finally have a five-fingered solution that actually works for long swords, I hope uh, those people that, mm, are not used, uh, uh, using tactility in longsword, will have that option and realize how much you need your fingers in longsword. Because I keep reading people writing stuff like, I can do everything with mittens. And I'm like, how? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I mean, half of the time, I I have my index finger open when I'm fighting longsword. How can you use that with mittens?
0: You can. Yeah.
1: So I think that some of this is also going to to impact long practitioners. Obviously, one-handed practitioners are going to be happier about it, probably, because they finally have something. But <laughs> I think that it's going to also have a, an impact on long sort practice, at least they hope.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So describe the different options. Um, you, you You were kind of talking about how there's a heavy option um, and there's a lighter option. Um, what's what's the difference between the two? Um,
1: so the the difference is so calling them options probably isn't the right um, term. They are uh, setups. Um, I mean, the glove comes with two different linings. So every glove, every with Master Pro comes with two different linings. Those are not really options. They both come with the gloves. Gotcha and you can choose if you want to fill the outer sleeve with the heavy lining or with a light one. So the heavy lining is the one we spent uh, the time and research on to make it the most protective possible so it weighs a bit more than the light one and it's the one packed with our scutum which is the foam fabric composite we created for Weapon master gauntlets which can withstand the highest impacts we can have. So that's the highest protection level you can have. It's a a bit heavier and a bit less nimble than having the lighter lining, which is basically a soft foam. Hmm. So when you wear the gloves with the heavy lining, they are some 50 grams heavier, a bit a bit less rose compared to, to the light lining, but they can withstand long sword and arming sword and military saber and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. If you need to do small sword, EP, uh, rapier and stuff like that, you remove the bulkier heavy protection, which also includes rigid fingertips and you fit the lighter lining, basically making it a hybrid between A motorcycle glove and a fencing glove, so Hmm. some padding on the back, rigid knuckles, and no rigid fingertips. Interesting. Because I want I want to see you putting two fingers inside the rapier with the rigid fingertips.
0: Yeah, yeah. So that's so that's going to be in every glove. So every glove is just going to be like totally modifiable to whatever weapon that you're using. Just one pair of gloves to rule them all.
1: (laughs) Yeah, actually, you can remove. A part of the heavy linings protection so you can even end up with a hybrid between the two so finger rigid fingertips but softer protection on the back still having the rigid parts that that's up to the to the single person what they need for every kind of, of fight I'm not expecting people to go removing parts for every fight that yeah. that wouldn't be. Neither sensible nor practical, right. but imagine you're going to have a rapier tournament, four hours of rapier. I bet you're going to remove those 50 grams and rigid fingertips.
0: Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs>
1: you're going to have a shirt tournament, you're probably going to put it back. Yeah. Whenever you're just sparring around with people, you're probably not going to go. Uh, modifying the single finger, taking away or putting back in foam or anything, maybe you're just going to take out one of the linings and put inside the lighter one if you're going rapier, take it away and put inside the heavier one if you're going back to longsword, stuff like that. Because it takes uh, like this amount of time.
0: That's awesome. So it's
1: not really going to be a bigger problem this is. And one of the linings, this is the other one. So you just take it out and put it back in.
0: That's fantastic. Now the inner lining.
1: It's in. And it's already fastened.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. Wow. So with those with those linings, are those are those linings washable?
1: Yeah.
0: Oh, (laughs) Oh man, oh, that's awesome. Because <laughs> everybody who's ever used smelly gloves <laughs> or had their gloves um, deteriorate. Yeah. Also,
1: yeah. you're practicing Bolognese, but uh, I recommend you to try, uh, no, I don't recommend you to try smelling a pair of longsword gloves, especially of those made with leather outside, you know, after a few years.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, I've got a couple of <laughs> pairs of, of coning gloves yeah. that I use for, for long sword and for side sword. So, yeah, yeah they, they, they get
1: pretty nasty.
0: Yeah, they have a unique smell. <laughs> uh, yeah.
1: And also, um, one thing to note is that when you want to wash the linings, you have to take away the heavier foam and the fingertips. That's gotcha. the only thing that's, that's necessary. You need to take away the heavier foam and the fingertips. They are inside pockets. So, you remove it, and then you put it back in when it's dried.
0: Nice. Yeah, I mean, I, that's that's one of the beautiful things I think that about these gloves is you really engineered for every possibility. That's really impressive. Um,
1: well, I, considering the production delays, at least I had the time to think <laughs> yeah. about this kind of stuff. But yep. I didn't stand idle waiting. So, if you do profit it from the lace.
0: yeah, yeah. So in the future, um, as the store opens up, um, are like if let's say something happens to your inner glove, will you be able to order uh, replacement inner gloves or if something happens to your outer glove, like will you be able to order like the individual parts to replace Definitely. them on your glove? Definitely. Nice.
1: Some of them are actually going to also be sold as separate parts, like the fingertips. Uh, mm-hmm. are the same ones i introduced as the fingertipers some time ago yep. and they are also going to come as fingertip protectors individually nice i mean individually in sets of 10 because we all have more or less 10 fingers so
0: <laughs> yeah so um what other products are you working on right now
1: right now we are also uh, working on jackets which are going to come out together with the gloves Nice, Um the matching pants. Uh, that's two models of jackets and one of pants, uh, breeches or pants. Because I think in American pants are the ones you wear under the, the breeches. No? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sorry, I, I'm not. I'm still not perfect in English. So <laughs> no, uh, breeches, two, kind, two, two kinds of jackets and one of breeches, and we are also. Um, reworking some of the previous stuff we had like the foam protectors and the others we are we already have in stock and are getting made more of the version 2 of our foam protectors for elbows and since we are there they are also going inside the jacket so it comes with with elbows protect with elbow protectors already in removable if one doesn't want them and we already have in stock gorgets, And we are going to release together with the shop, too. We are working on a mask slash helmet.
0: Very nice. But
1: that's uh, probably a next year goal because yeah. I don't think I'm going to pull it off this year. There's a few things to, to work on that, especially... Uh, since I want to get everything certified into norm, I need to, sometimes I also need to to work with the people that make the norms to to get something changed because there's no norms for historical fencing or HEMA. So yeah, yeah it, it's not as easy as it sounds. Uh, so yeah, I think the helmets are getting pushed uh, somewhat back. But yeah, they are coming too.
0: Nice. Yeah, that's that's exciting. I mean, I I think you know that's um, I mean we there are quite a few fencing masks out there, but I I think that everybody that I've talked to in the Hema community still feels like we can do better uh, with with masks to make them safer.
1: Yeah. Probably that's the next big point in Hema. I mean. Yeah. Gloves have been the starting point because gloves ha- are the major problem at the moment. Yeah. But I think that masks and head protection in general are going to be the 2020s point of HIMA. While the 2000, 2010s was about gloves, I've already seen other companies starting to come out with head solutions. And I think the first five years of this decade are going to be those of, HEMA masks and head protections, probably.
0: Yeah, I agree with that.
1: Uh, In the meantime, I'm trying to get a head start for what I think is going to be next. So third, which is under jacket protectors. Hmm. And so another thing that we are working on, but it's going to release together with masks, probably are um, wearable protectors to go under jackets. Because I feel like a lot of people after the surge of heavy jackets in 2017 and 18 are reverting back to lighter jackets and other protectors under them. Yep. So uh, we are preparing some stuff for that too, so that when we launch a light jacket, we are already ready to give people what's going to go under it.
0: Perfect. Yeah. That no.
1: 2022, 23.
0: Yep. As um, a uh, as a predominantly a, a side sword fencer, I I prefer a lighter jacket, so I, I fence in this best officer's jacket. And yeah, when I fight longsword, I always have to put on some sort of a plastron, and they're always really uncomfortable. So <laughs> I'm looking forward to whatever you come up with.
1: <laughs> yeah, but I think that you, may, you might probably also like the jackets we are going to, to um, I didn't get the word in English, to, 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 to um, lunch this oh. year. Because they come from the challenge jackets. Uh, we, we bought the design over and we are making a, a renewed version of it, which is far lighter in padding and then has localized removable paddings. Nice. Which is probably going to be the, thre- the trend from here on. And that's why I think that by uh, 2025, probably. The trend will have settled towards the light jacket and other stuff under it.
0: Yeah, so more modifications. I like it. I like it. So I mean, that's exciting. Um, you know, I I wish you the best luck because it's going to be um, a game changer. It's going to be awesome to have you know somebody that's out there thinking about all the problems that we have and and trying to answer them. So. I'm to that. and that concludes part one of my interview with uh, dario magnani uh talking about the weapon master gauntlet so uh stay tuned for part two which is gonna get into fencing we're gonna talk a lot about two-handed sword um, and looking at the italian tradition uh, from the scope of different authors and seeing the uh the development of a timeline of uh italian fencing so um, definitely stay tuned for that and uh stay saucy my friends